Welcome to the How Not to Screw Up Your Kids podcast. So, pour yourself a cuppa, find a comfy seat, and enjoy the conversation. This is episode 47, entitled Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roll. When should we have those difficult conversations? So I want to talk about difficult conversations and when we should be having them. Now, let me give you some background. I have had a number of conversations this week with various friends. And without breaking any confidences, we're talking about friends whose children have either become very drunk, they've caught their children vaping, looking at porn, taking drugs, or sneaking downstairs to switch the Wi-Fi back on and grab their devices. Now, these are all incredible parents, wonderful parents, in fact, who have a great relationship with their children. They talk a lot and they thought they had several years yet before they had to have those difficult conversations and then bam. So this is going to be a slightly different type of podcast. I'm still going to give you my top tips and this week I've got six but I want you to imagine I'm your friend. Well I hope I am in a way anyway but that's beside but I hope I want you to imagine that I'm your friend and we're sat together having a cup of tea, coffee, herbal tea or whatever your choice of drink is and we are sharing our experiences and having a chat about what might be best. In fact, you can really genuinely kind of picture it because I am currently in my grungy, messy dog walking clothes. My hair is scrunched up and I look a right royal mess. So I'm perfect for that conversation that we're going to be having. So let me talk you through what I feel are the kind of the top six things that we need to be mindful of. There may Some of them are strategies, but some of them are just things that we need to be mindful of when it comes to having some of these difficult conversations. Whatever those difficult conversations might be, whether it's sneaking downstairs to do things that you know you're not able to do and being dishonest, whether it's even sneaking out of the house, whether it's about sex, whether it's about drugs, whether it's about pornography... Whatever it might be, these are the difficult conversations. So number one, and I guess it makes most sense, is get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Now, these aren't my words. I can't take any credit for that particularly, but I read them in an article recently. And to me, it just absolutely resonated because it describes what we need to do and what we need to embody. Because a lot of the conversations that we are going to have to have with our children bring up a whole load of stuff for us too. And they can be really uncomfortable conversations. They can be conversations that we don't even know how to even start. So let's just start with the basics of we just need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And as is the case with so many things, the imagining it is always far worse than once we actually get started. And the more comfortable we get with being uncomfortable, the less uncomfortable we feel once we get going. So that's the first thing. And maybe you can talk to your friends about it. You know, we're all parents. We're all having to have these difficult conversations. So maybe get comfortable being uncomfortable talking about it with your friends. So that's point number one. Point number two, and this is a really really important one and particularly for these friends that I've had these conversations with this week is we've got to begin having conversations very early by seeding age appropriate information. So the conversations that we're going to have to have with our children about various different things, sex, drugs and rock and roll are not going to be one hit conversations and then they're done. 
not like when we were younger. I'm sure our parents probably felt looks like, phew, darling, I've had that terrible, that difficult conversation, that awkward conversation with little Sophie about sex. And thank goodness now I don't have to have that conversation ever again. Or maybe your parents didn't even have that conversation with you at all. Children today are curious. We parent differently in so many ways to our parents. Our children are curious and they have questions. And I've said before on previous podcast episode when we've talked about pornography, if we don't answer our children's curiosity and their questions, then they will look on social media, YouTube, their friends or wherever they can get information. And that information isn't always going to be reliable. It isn't always going to tell them the full facts. It isn't always going to paint that broader picture. So we need to begin those conversations early. And just to give you an example, 50%, over 50% of children will have seen some form of online pornography before they leave primary school. So before the age of 11 years old, half of children would have seen pornography online. So if we're thinking we shouldn't be having this conversation with our children until they're in their teens, our children have long gone seen it and formed their own opinion, which may not necessarily always be appropriate. We've not had those conversations. So my advice is don't have the, let's sit down, we need to have a talk. Oh my God, how does that feel? Pit of the stomach. Oh my goodness me, this is so serious, so awkward. You couldn't get more uncomfortable with those conversations. So instead of seeing it as this big, I need to talk about to Sophie about her periods. I need to talk to David about pornography. I need to talk to Jack about drink. I need to talk to Harriet about drugs. Let's not view it that way, but instead begin seeding conversations. We can talk about how important it is to nurture ourselves, to make good choices, to do what's best for us, to use our voice to be able to communicate what we want and what we don't want. So we can have those conversations with really, really young children. One of the schools that I work with, we I go in and I do workshops with their children about consent which is in essence the sort of this whole big notion about sexual consent and consent generally and obviously I'm having conversations about consent with their reception children so children who are four and five all the way up to their older children now the idea here is that we can be having conversations about consent and using your voice and permission from a very young age And then we can begin to seed more information around how that might then impact in terms of being sent messages and asked to send pictures, nude pictures, for example. Might be around sexual consent. It might be about inappropriate touching. It might be around vaping. It might be about around drugs or sex. So we can have these conversations from a very young age that are part of a broader picture and we just simply seed what is age and development appropriate for our children. So we've got to move away from this sort of notion that we need to have one big conversation that we can wipe our sweaty brow and think, thank goodness for that, that's all done and dusted. We need to understand that children are curious, they're going to have lots of questions and let's have those conversations as natural conversations when we're on a having a walk when we're chopping up vegetables for dinner when we're sitting and watching a movie we need to be having conversations so rather than this big hit so the two tips so far are let's get comfortable with being uncomfortable and number two is begin having conversations very early by seeding age appropriate information my tip number three 
is, if the conversation feels uncomfortable, as in you've not yet had the conversation with your child, but you're thinking, right, okay, I really do, should be having this conversation. Right, I've heard what Mary Han's saying, and I understand I really need to have that conversation. If it feels uncomfortable, then you need to work through why does that feel uncomfortable for you? So that's the kind of the first bit. Don't launch into having these conversations, but actually sit and reflect on why is this conversation difficult for me? Is this difficult for me because it's a subject that I don't personally feel comfortable talking about. Maybe it's a conversation that I don't feel as if I'm equipped and I don't have necessarily all of the information for. Maybe it's a conversation that I remember being really difficult that my parents had with me and that's now triggering something in me that I feel I can't have that conversation. Maybe it's the relationship you have with that particular child that you don't feel you have that kind of conversation, you just don't even know how to start it. So you need to sort of sit and reflect with... If it feels uncomfortable to you, why is that? And it might be that you have a conversation with a really good friend. You know, look, I need to be having a conversation with Sophie about sex and I feel really awkward about it. I can't work out why, but it just feels a really awkward conversation. Because so often, I think with these sorts of difficult conversations is when we're looking at a really young child, maybe we're going to have that conversation with an 11-year-old it just feels wrong. It feels like, but she's my baby or he's my baby and they're still so young. And why do I need to start bringing them up into adulthood things, adulthood topics? They're just so not young and naive. And actually what can also happen is we can be worried and feel uncomfortable that we're then suddenly going to build a certain level of curiosity within our child and open up a whole can of worms. And I would really urge you just to sit with that because the reality is there will be 11-year-olds who have already drank so much that they have made themselves sick with it. There will be 11-year-olds who have smoked. There will be 11-year-olds who have taken drugs. And there will be 11, 12 and 13-year-olds embarking in some form of sexual behaviour. Now, that doesn't mean that their parents are terrible, that they've failed in some way. Our children are just naturally more curious and have been exposed to so much more than we have. And we have to stop being naive that we shouldn't be having these conversations with them because we don't need to. It's so much more important that we have those lines of communication, that we are talking about sex, that we're talking about drugs with our young children. We might not necessarily use the various different labels for different kinds of drugs when our children are eight or nine, but we will be talking generally about why it's important to know what things we might consume, what we might drink, what we might eat and what we might take into our body, because how important it is to nurture it as it's growing for example. So those conversations can be had very, very young and then it becomes tweaked, refined and the language and the topic areas just develop as they get older. So if the conversation feels uncomfortable, you need to work out within yourself, why is that so? And how can I, going back to number one, get comfortable with being uncomfortable and begin to open up and have those conversations? So number one is get comfortable being uncomfortable. Number two is begin having conversations very early by seeding age-appropriate information. Number three is if the conversation feels uncomfortable, work out what it is about that that makes it feel uncomfortable with you and deal with that first because if you feel uncomfortable with it, your children are going to pick up on that. If there's an element 
particularly I've talked about this in the episode about pornography, if there's an element of shame that we feel around viewing pornography, then we project that shame when we talk to our children about it. And actually, the whole concept of sex, self-gratification, masturbation, sex and pornography, they are all inherent, natural, normal human desires. And children have no shame around that unless they see that shame projected from us. So we need to be mindful of how it impacts us, these conversations, before we start having them with our children. Number four is educate yourself. And I say that with a certain, take that with a pinch of salt. I mean, educate yourself in terms of a certain element of understanding, because I'll, we'll look at this again, it will, it will pop up again in terms of number six. But educate yourself enough to understand what are the likely things that your child is going to encounter. So my eldest is 22. The drugs that would have been around, available, easily accessible, used frequently in his teen years amongst his peers are very different in lots of ways to the drugs that may be more prevalent and around and being experimented with now. That These sorts of things change quite dramatically. So we don't need to be experts and goodness me, we'll be horrified if we read loads and loads of information about it, but we just need to have an understanding of the various you know, just being really educated around what, around the things that our children are likely to encounter. So quite, you know, understand vaping. What does that look like? How does it tend to show up? Um, Understand about smoking, understand about alcohol, understand about drugs, uh, understand about pornography, have a little bit of an understanding about where our children may well be seeing this. It's really having an understanding of that because things are very different to when we were younger. So we can't sort of draw on our own personal experience in the same way because our children are living a very, they're living in a very different environment than we were. So we need to educate ourselves, but don't educate yourself so you're an encyclopedia because I think that that's not helpful either. It's much more about just having a broad understanding. And that education is not just about the sex, drugs and rock and roll, but educate yourself around the pressures that our children are likely to be experiencing. Understand the social platforms that your child is using, if they're of that particular age. If they're not, then just understand that sort of educate yourself around the conversations that might be having in the playground and those sorts of things, the games they might be playing, how they consume information on their electronic devices. It's really important that we educate ourselves in the areas that we do not know fully or do not understand. But do not educate yourself to a point where you feel that you need to become an expert because that's not useful either. So we've done, how many have we done? Four. So the first is get comfortable with being uncomfortable. The second is begin having conversations very early, much earlier than you think, but we're seeding age appropriate information. We are not launching into a full conversation with a six-year-old about sex, drugs and rock and roll, but we may well be seeding with that six-year-old conversations around consent in terms of using their voice to say yes or no and also in terms of drugs in terms of what they put in their body and how important it is to nurture our bodies it's these sorts of things number three is if the conversation feels uncomfortable to you sit with it and work out why and work through it so that you can begin to get comfortable with being uncomfortable Number four is educate yourself. 
find out the information that you need to know on a broad level so that you understand the environment that your child is growing up in. And obviously, if you've got multiple children, your eldest, your middle, your youngest, or however many children you have, they will have slightly different experiences, slightly different pressures. Part of that is age, but part of it is also peer-related. So what I often find is within certain kind of year groups, you might have lots of older children. In another group, you might have lots of younger children. So obviously, and particularly when we talk about this, having these conversations early, is that you might have a child who's the youngest, so their exposure to information around sex, drugs and rock and roll will be significantly higher than the ch- a child in another family who is the oldest. Because if you're the youngest and you've got teen siblings you know you've sat around you've experienced a lot of information even if you haven't consumed anything digitally compared to a child who is the eldest who is the first to go through those rites of passage so just be aware of those aspects so educate yourself around your child and particularly for their for for each of your children number five is be non judgmental and oh my word is this really difficult if you have never smoked if you are somebody who's a moderate drinker or maybe you don't drink at all maybe you've never done drugs maybe your attitude to sex is very is much more reserved maybe you've never masturbated maybe you have never consumed pornography whatever that might be we must approach our children and conversations with our children in a non-judgmental way. And that's non-judgmental for our children, but also non-judgmental with other children. Now, quite often our children will talk about what their friends might be doing as a way of seeding a bit of a conversation. And one of the dangers that we have is that we then move into judgment mode. Well, they're very silly. They're they're too young to be doing that. And we, we launch into this sort of judgment and we don't do that because we're horrible judgmental parents but we do that because we're thinking right I want to make send a clear message to my child that this is not good and I don't want them to put themselves in a position where they're at risk but what happens is we leave a trail for our child that thinks "Mm, I can't really have a conversation with my parents about this because they will think bad of me so we must make sure that we are non-judgmental. Of course, we want to keep our children safe. And we will look at this in point number six. But we need to be non-judgmental. Our children's experiences, the choices that they make are their choices. And we must not project our judgment of things on them. Now, that does not mean we just say, well, off you go. Let's go have sex, go have drugs, go rock and roll. And I'm just going to stand by and say nothing. That isn't the case. But what we want to do is we want our child to feel valued, validated and loved no matter what choices they make. Because let's face it, we all make poor choices. We all succumb to peer pressure at some point, some more than others. But all of these things are important when we want to create an environment and a space that our child feels able to come and talk to us no matter what. So it's really important that we're non-judgmental. And I can say that I have found that very tricky at times, particularly in realms of aspects of sex, drugs and rock and roll that I have not done. I was a very compliant. No, I wasn't at all. I was a middle child. I was a people pleaser and I smoked. I drank, but I personally never took drugs. 
I have no judgment of anyone who did, but I, being a control enthusiast that I am, never felt that that was something I wanted to go down. Now, you could very easily argue that smoking is a drug. It absolutely is. And that alcohol is a drug. So it's really important that we don't pass judgment. Just because I didn't experience it, just because I don't understand it, does not mean that then it's appropriate for me to be judgmental of that when I'm talking to my children about sex, drugs and rock and roll. So let's approach it from that perspective of being non-judgmental, but remembering to do that not only for our children, but when our children tell us stories about their friends too, because we're setting a tone, we're setting an expectation and the groundwork that our child is thinking about, right, is my parent somebody that I can go and talk to? Because if this is their view when I talk to them about my friend doing something, then actually if I go and talk to them about me, then this might happen. So be really, really aware of that being non-judgmental. So we've got get comfortable with being uncomfortable, begin having conversations early, And again, it's about seeding things. If the conversation feels uncomfortable, work out why it feels uncomfortable to you and what you might need to do. Who might you need to speak to? Maybe you need to journal. Maybe you need to kind of sit with it a little bit and inquire why. But do that before you then begin to have the conversation with your children. Educate yourself to a level that you understand what is going on for your child and the environment in which they're being brought up and the challenges that they are facing. Be non-judgmental when you're having conversations with your child about things just generally, but also choices that their friends may have made. And then number six, and this is a really, really important one. In fact, they all are, but I think this one's particularly important, is focus on what they need to do to keep safe and not just the scary reasons why they should not do it. Let me explain a little bit more. When we talk to our children often around sex, for example, a lot of the conversations we will have, and how many friends I've spoken to that the parents had the same sort of conversation, is that sex should be with someone that you love in a long-term relationship. Yeah, so we talk about what they should So it's this idea of you should not have sex unless you are in a relationship, a loving relationship. So we focus on the nots. You should not. Do you remember the campaign? Just say no about drugs. So it was all about you should not take drugs. You should not smoke because look at these images of what it does to your lungs. You should not take drugs. You should not have sex. So it's all of these things that we tend to focus on the should nots. And actually what I'm saying is let's shift the focus Let's talk about the risks, should we make those choices. But what we should also do is talk to our children about, if you were to make this choice, how might you keep yourself safe? Because then we're giving our children information. Now, some of you might be listening to this and shouting at your headphones or whatever it is you're listening to to this episode on and saying, oh my God, Maryhan, you are opening up a massive minefield. I'm giving my child information as to how they should be doing it. I don't think that's the case. I think what you're doing is you're providing a information for your child as to what they might need to do to make sure that they are safe. Because let's face it, even for the conversations that I've had with my friends, children are going to go out and they are going to drink. They are going to vape and smoke. They're going to take drugs. They're going to watch porn. They're going to sneak around and do things in a dishonest way. 
If we know that this is part of, whether you call it teenage rebellion, whether you talk about puberty, whether it's just a rites of passage, whether it's just their goddamn given right to do these things, they are going to do them. If we do not equip them with how they might keep themselves safe, should they drink, should they vape, should they take drugs, and they do it anyway, we risk the worst case scenario happening. So we're talking about information about keeping themselves safe. So don't go off, don't walk home on your own. Make sure if you are drinking that there is someone with you. These sorts of conversations, if you're going to take drugs, you need to know where it has come from. Don't take a drug that you don't have information of. Do not take drugs when you haven't got people around you that you know you can rely on to keep you safe. So it's those types of conversations and those will be different for different children at different ages at different stages. But it's having those conversations and helping our children so that they know what they need to do to keep themselves safe, as well as the risks that they face should they make those choices. These are all about choices and we have to recognise that our children are at times going to succumb to peer pressure, that they may do something that they either don't want to or maybe they do want to because they're desperate to fit in or maybe they're desperate to, to try. But we need to make sure that we also help them understand how they keep themselves safe rather than focusing things from that perspective of you should not do this. So let me recap on these. So the first is get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Number two is begin having conversations very early, much earlier than you think, but doing it by seeding age-appropriate information. Number three is if the conversation feels uncomfortable, work out what it is that makes it feel uncomfortable for you. Work through that and then you're able to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Number four, educate yourself. What do you need to know? Because times are very different to when we were growing up. And what do you need to know at each age and stage for each of your children? Because it will change. Number five, be non-judgmental, be open, listen, acknowledge, try to understand from their perspective without passing judgment. And six, focus on what they need to know to keep themselves safe and not just the scary why they should not do it. My give this week is my usual checklist with these six strategies and some space so that you can reflect underneath. The idea by doing this is that I really want you to kind of sit with it for a little bit. So, you know, certainly in my experience, I think when we sit with things a little bit, rather than jumping in and taking action, which is tricky for someone like me who likes to jump in and take action. But if you can sit with it for a bit, it is a really helpful exercise to say, what's coming up for me with this? You know, why does point number five really jar with me? Why does this non-judgmental thing, why do I find that really difficult? Why am I finding a conversation about that really easy to have, but this conversation really difficult? So the idea is that that the checklist serves as a reminder, but it also it's supposed to be a practical tool for you to use. So as usual, head over to my free resource library, drmaryhand.com forward slash library, where you will find the link to download this resource. 
All you need to do is pop in your email address and you'll get instant access not only to this week's resource, but all the other free resources across all my podcast episodes. As ever, if you have enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could follow and review this podcast so that others can find us and we can spread the love. So until next time. Thank you.